Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The world's best have come to Torino for the ATP Finals. Welcome to TC Live, your post-game show to wrap up all the action from day three in Italy and get you caught up on everything in the world of tennis. Here's what's coming up over the next half hour. We are rocking and rolling at the World Tour Finals where an American hasn't made the semifinals in five years. Can Taylor Fritz take the next step among the best of the best? Plus, the world number one can only watch as his spot in history plays out in Torino. Would the cards fall Carlito's way to accomplish something we've never seen? And everyone remembers the Basel pizza parties, but Roger Federer gives us a sneak peek at his new culinary delights. We'll dip into Fed's retirement diet. With that, come on in. Welcome into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman, happy to be back alongside the Hall of Famer Jim Courier. And the Hall of Famer Andy Roddick over on the big screen. Yes, pumping it out. <laughs> we got, we got, we got a lot. The Versa Climber, the virtual Versa Climber yeah. yep. for Roddick out like there. I, yeah, I like that a lot. A lot to get to today. But we start with the breaking news from overnight that Novak Djokovic reportedly will be allowed to enter Australia and play the Australian Open next year. That three-year visa ban is reportedly overturned. Jim, what was your reaction when you saw this? This is sensible. Australia has dropped the requirement for uh, foreigners to be vaccinated to enter the country. So had he not had the problems this year with the government, there would have been no problem for him to come back into the country. So this makes total sense. Anything short of this would have been insane. I'm glad that cooler heads have prevailed and politics can hopefully leave our sport alone for a while. Yeah, I completely agree with Jim. I was I was relieved uh, when I saw this because, uh, listen, it was a dumpster fire last year in a lot of different ways when, when Novak went down there and the, it was full of drama. We want to see the drama happen on the tennis court, right? And Novak Djokovic uh, has been dominant in Australia. He belongs at that tournament. He's been so successful down there. So I had a sense of relief when I saw this. Uh, listen, last year, say what you want about it, but a three-year ban because of what happened last year seemed extreme. And like Jim said, cooler heads uh, seem to be prevailing and that's a that's a great thing for the game of tennis nice to get it out of the way now too we don't have to talk about this all yes, off season nine-time champ he is in australia will go yep. for number 22 overall he plays tomorrow in turn but the green group back in action today Rafa Nadal trying to keep his hopes of a year-end number one alive against felix Ali aliasim andy both guys lost on sunday faa came out flying yeah and uh, Things to come. You do not. Rafa hasn't missed that pass since he was 11 years old. That is something when Rafa's in full flight, a running forehand pass, you're just hoping that he misses it. But, you know, right here is when kind of the drama started. We obviously know he hasn't been in full swing, hasn't been playing well. Double faults, throws a 40-love lead, and then misses this forehand down the line. 
just was spotty, making uncharacteristic errors, and when he was missing them by pretty hefty margins, uh, Felix did what he had to do. I mean, that one, again, you could have driven a truck down that line, and Rafa does not misfire very often, but credit to Felix for standing in there. His first serve has been a dominant uh, shot over the course of the last two months especially, but you see Rafa Bricavalli happened a couple times. Um, you know, and I say this just because of the shadow that Rafa's created with his greatness. It's probably as bad as I've seen him play in the last three or four years at any given time, and you can just tell he's searching for something. It makes uh, us mere mortals feel a little bit better about ourselves, but Felix was clinical, knew what he had to do, knew what Rafa was giving him, and uh, did enough to get through today. First win for Jose Alessimo for Nadal. Rafa has now lost four straight matches for the first time in 13 years. 15 more aces for Felix. Averaged 127 miles an hour on his first serve. Nearly half of his serves were unreturned. Saved all five break points and caught up with Prakash after. I've proven to myself that I play well when, when my back's against the wall, whether it was in team competition when I needed to you know, come clutch for, for, uh, for my team or uh, in other tournaments. So uh, I think, yeah, today was kind of like uh, either there's nothing really to lose because I lost my first match not playing well enough, in my, in my opinion, uh, not hitting my back end, my returns well enough, not aggressive enough. So I just felt like today I don't want to go down uh, that way again. I want to really go out there, swing, and, and try to be aggressive and, and try to just go after it, really, uh, win or lose. I don't think I forget how to play tennis and how to be... Uh strong enough mentally I just need to to recover all these positive feelings and all this confidence and all this uh, strong mentality that I need to to be at the level that I I want to be and I don't know if I gonna reach that level again but uh, what I don't have any doubt um, that I I gonna die for it Wow. Uh, strong words from Rafa. A couple things there. First, his name tag, it just says Rafa, not Rafael Nadal, not Rafael, just Rafa. So that's how special he is, Jim. But also the fact he's, I don't have any doubt I'm going to die to reach that level again. What do you think when you hear that? Well, I just have so much admiration for how willing he is to continue to compete, no matter what, no matter what the conditions are. One thing that, that he's always driven, used to drive himself, is doubt, right? He, we're the ones who have always had the confidence about his ability because he's proven it time and time again. But he's the one who says, if I don't play my best, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. That's what he's used as his fuel. He's going to need to dig deep into that and keep pushing himself a lot of curiosity, will he post up for his third round robin match now that he's eliminated? Hopefully he will. If he doesn't, Hoga Runa will be there. Uh, but, you know, Nadal has more matches lined up the rest of this season. He's got a slate of exhibitions in South America with Casper Ruud and some others. So he's definitely gearing up, and he is, looks furious to me, and that fury can be used um, for, for good for him. Yeah, I'll be, be curious to see what he does for the rest of the year. If he wants to go home with his, his new baby or kind of focus on Australia, I'd love to see him get down there like he did this year and play 250 uh, instead of jumping right into uh, to the Grand Slam tournaments. But one thing I love and respect so much is Rafa's 
clarity and his simplicity, right? We can't say anything about him that he's not going to say about himself <clears throat> first, right? It wasn't good enough. I hope I get back there. You know, we'll see. And I'm going to die trying. Like, what else are we supposed to say? He is so clear and so simple. It, it almost creates a bit of envy from a former player because I used to do mental gymnastics to try to explain my way out of situations. He is so clear. And it, it's such a gift the way that he's able to process things pretty quickly and 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 with that clarity. Yeah, bet against him at your own peril. By the way, Felix Ojeali yeah. seemed the first and perhaps only player born in the 2000s to beat all of the big three. Unless Roger comes out of retirement, <laughs> yeah, it, he'll, be, he'll be the only one to do it. So props to Felix getting the big win over Rafa Nadal. Meantime, Kasparu, Taylor Fritz meeting for the very first time. Both guys won in straight sets on Sunday. Jim, this one would go the distance. It sure would, and it, it looked like it was going to be quick work, actually, for Kasparu. He got off to a good start in the opening set, got an early break of serve, and was able to ride his good serve and aggression all the way to a first set win. This is one of the rare points where Taylor Fritz actually was in control early in the rally. Because Casper Ruud had him running side to side, but Fritz did a good job of just biding his time and hanging in there in the second set and eventually striking late. He would break here with Ruud serving at 4 5. Ruud overcooked that slice backhand, the approach, and uh, Taylor Fritz would take advantage to send it into a third set. That's one of the hallmarks of Taylor Fritz's career has been his determination no matter what. He is a fighter, and he showed that big time. Into the breaker, they went, and Casper Ruud, again, came out hot like he did in the first set. He would get to a 5-1 lead. Fritz was looking a little discombobulated, and Casper Ruud was just hitting the lines. But 5-1 didn't get it done. Taylor Fritz comes up with uh, one of the best backhands you will see under pressure. Look at that. Just a sizzler. And that got him back into it. But at 6-all, Taylor Fritz not quite able to handle that forehand. And that would be just enough for Casper Ruud, who had a great day serving, great day in general. And he has turned into an all-court player, not an all-surface player, I should say, hasn't he? It's a quick court. He handled it. An all-world player caught up with Prakash moments ago. Towards the end of that second set, a couple of unforced errors creeped in the game. But third set on the big points, you were phenomenal. Uh, any little adjustments you made in that decider? Well, I think um, maybe my, my energy dabbed, up a, dabbed off a little bit towards the end there. I, uh, I uh, wasn't maybe as focused as I needed to be there in the, in the end. I got broken with some sloppy unforced errors. And then in the third set, you know, I was out there giving it my all and uh, had a couple break points there in the middle of the set. And Taylor... <laughs> Saved them Boris phenomenally, yeah, Boris Becker style with that diving backhand volley. So that was just hard to accept, but that you have to accept it and move on. And uh, that was a great play by him. And then, you know, things might in, went in my favor in the tiebreak there. And um, yeah, it was a close one. I mean, I think I guess we were both nervous there in the end, but uh, luckily I was able to, to pull through and, uh, and and win this match. This was very important. I mean, uh, a lot was at stake, and I was able to come through, which is a great feeling. Such an even keel disposition. Kasparudi is back in the semifinals for the second straight year. Which of these numbers, Jim, stand out to you? I mean, there's very few that stand out. They're so close in these categories. Just the bottom line of the winners and unforced errors. Nine more winners and unforced errors for Casper Ruud than Taylor Fritz. But for Taylor, he, he should feel good about the way that he's playing. He still has a chance to make it into the semifinals with, uh, with one more round to go in the round robins. You know, and there was uh, a lot to like about this match. Casper Ruud's serve 
for me, uh, we got one of the great servers on our panel here with Andy of all time. And Casper's serve is phenomenally tough, it seems, to read with that quick toss. You could argue that he outserved Taylor Fritz. And coming into this match, that's supposed to be a strength for Fritz. Andy, what was the difference for you in this match? Yeah, I mean, the Taylor, the, the, the serving was phenomenal on, on, on both sides. Probably more expected from Taylor Fritz, but should maybe be expected from Casper Ruud now. But the growth that Casper Ruud has made, being able to switch directions with the ball on faster surfaces is amazing, right? I remember watching a year and a half ago uh, in Canada and saying, this guy's pretty predictable on the faster surfaces, right? He's going to go cross, 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 cross. And then someone was able to bleed him lines. He was able to keep Taylor off balance enough. Jim made reference during the telecast that Taylor wasn't firing down the line very often on the backhand. Now, I don't know that that's a choice as opposed to being dictated by by the geometry that 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 Rude was finding, right? On the run, being able to play that high, heavy ball up the line, keeping people off balance, which means that they're not able to get that first punch. And then, you know, once Rude does get that first punch, he's got control of that forehand a la Rafa, and it doesn't get away from him. And Rude's not supposed to be dominating these rallies with the arc of his ball on this surface, right? His heavy topspin on the on the forehand and the backhand, he's got so much more arc on it. That's supposed to give someone like Taylor time to, to flatten it out and be aggressive, but he's getting such depth on those shots as well. That's been a big difference maker for him also. And, and look, he's... He's a good mover. There's a lot going on. Both Andy and I think his slice backhand could use a little bit of work, but we're nitpicking, yes. I think. 50 wins this year for Casper mm -hmm. who's into the semifinals. And as we take a look at the standings, this is what we want to see. It's a win and you're in situation. Taylor Fritz taking on Felix Oje Aliasim on Thursday. You win and you're in. Fritz beat FAA tight three-setter at the ATP Cup earlier this year. Raf Nadal eliminated. Still to come on the show. Rajiv Ram got to world number one this fall, but find out what other big milestone the American reached today. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Andy, Jim, Steve back on TC Live. A reminder, Tennis Channel celebrating the legendary careers of Serena Williams and Roger Federer with an all-day marathon featuring some of their most memorable matches. Tune in beginning next Monday, November 21st at 6 a.m. Eastern. Now time for Andy Roddick's Fox Weather Forecast in Torino. I'm Fox Weather's Britta Merwin, and here's tomorrow's NITO ATP Finals forecast. We're looking at the weather in Turn, Italy, outside the stadium, partly cloudy skies with mild temperatures in the 50s. Now you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. All right, Andy, you're all set. Thank goodness that happened. <laughs> Doubles action from the red group. Marcelo Arevalo, Jean-Julien Roger playing Marcel Grenoliers, Horatio Zabayos for the very first time. To, um, Jim, another one of these first-time matchups at the Nito ATP Farm. Yeah, and these guys are mostly veterans. Arevalo not as much, but Roger, 41 years old, so impressive. He's still going strong. 
Trying to get down and get at it there. Not able to handle. This one would go the distance into the match tiebreak. And it would end 10-7. It would be a barn burner. Again, these matches so difficult to break free on quick courts with small margins and doubles. So not surprising we get the tightness here. And now this some excellent tennis. I mean, the doubles, you got to come early if you've got a ticket for these. These matches are compelling. You see some incredible racket work, great hands, good emotion. And that was game, set, and match. Excellent work. Yeah, you mentioned the age. Roger still alive to become the oldest semifinalist, finalist, and champion in ATP Finals history. Uh, Lloyd Glasspool. Ari Haliovara. They beat Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury twice this year, Andy. Once on clay, once on grass. But the Illinois-Memphis College duo got their revenge. Yeah, they did. And, you know, Team Ramsbury has been so good uh, all year. <laughs> Number one in the world. Uh, Rajiv Ram wants to prove, hey, listen, I belong to the Devils Court. Even at Davis Cup next week, didn't get the call there. Maybe using that as motivation as we see the flicker cross court. Nothing you can do. Made him hit the toughest shot, and Salisbury came up with it. But they were just so in tune with each other. That's a filthy volley. You see the guy moving to the middle of the last second. Uh, that probably wasn't the intent from the word go, but made the last-minute adjustment. And these guys just know each other so well now, and they've had such a great couple of years for uh, Ramsbury. Ramsbury, I love that. Uh, how about Rajiv? 400 tour-level doubles wins. That is big time incredible. to get to that number. Yeah, incredible. Hey. Two-time titleist at uh, Newport in singles as well on the grass. Right. So having a terrific career and a nice little finish in the doubles department. It looks like we'll be seeing them in the semifinals if they keep this up. Good work for them so far. Granolios, Zabayos, a lot of work to be done. Still to come on the show, what tennis record originally held by the great Jim Courier was broken by Marat Safin and has now been reset by Carlos Alcaraz. Roddick's in the top five as well. We got all the details. Weissman back on TC Live. And remember this, in September, Carlos Alcaraz turning New York into a teenage wasteland. Winning the U.S. Open to become the first man born in the 2000s to win a major and first teenager to reach number one in ATP rankings history. He's actually the youngest man to reach the top spot by over a year. Take a look at our young kings. Leighton Hewitt held the record before that. Andy Roddick, well, geez, he, he could sit from Sweeten's Cove when he got to number one. <laughs> we got Pistol Pete in there, Courier, and, and McEnroe as well. So what Carlos Alcaraz is doing, Jim, has never been seen before. Yeah. No, it's been remarkable to see his rise in the year. We knew he was good, but we didn't realize he would be this good this fast, right? Miami Indian Wells, we could see it coming on, but it really all clicked for him at the U.S. Open, possibly aided by Novak not being there. You have to put that in there as a factor this year. There's no doubt Novak's inability to play at a lot of his favorite places made it an easier rise, but Alcaraz's game is ready for the big time. Can't wait to see in 10, 15 years what we're talking about when we talk about his career. Andy, how about the fact he didn't even play in the ATP Finals and still gets no points there and the year-end number one? Yeah, well, there was nothing to defend. I mean, this kid's rise has been meteoric, and it, he, he, he so obviously passes the eye test for someone who was going to win majors. Now, to get to number one that quickly, that's a different story. 
And as we look forward to next year, uh, I, I still think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't think Novak Djokovic is the best player in the world. But the number one ranking is Carlos Alcaraz is well-deserved. Uh, it was unbelievable to watch this year. I wish so badly that he was in turn kind of mixing it up this week uh, with this group of phenomenal players. But uh, listen, we want health. It's He's got a long career ahead of himself. So hopefully he comes back healthy, ready. And I can't wait to see him match up with Rafa and Novak and the guys that are going to try to claim that territory for as long as they possibly can. But what a gift to the game Carlos Alcaraz has been. He certainly is. And we got to show you this to get from the top 10 to number one, just 140 days. He got into the top 10 April 25th, reached number one September 12th. That is pretty, pretty, pretty good work. Yeah, it's Buzz Lightyear. And that is just so fast up the track. Safin. And 161 days was also meteoric. But, uh, you know, Alcaraz, it's just remarkable that he's been able to do that so quickly. And he, and he seems like he hasn't changed at all. And that's the thing that's also great about him. The team around him, he seems like he's very, still very grounded and still knows he's got to get better. And that's going to be important for him to stay up at or near the top for a long time. Going to have to do what his, his heroes have continued to do, which is add to their games, which is, it seems like he's kind of got it all already. But that's another thing. It'll be fun to see what, where he goes from here game-wise. I went back in the archives, Andy, for when Jim did it, and it was very fast. And you had won the Australian Open in 92. Yeah. And then you had these quotes. I was stressed out about it. I was very aware of the situation sure. when you went to San Francisco. Yeah, well, I, I also, if I didn't get it that week in San Francisco, there was a chance that I wouldn't get it because Edberg and I were really close battling for it in the way that, you know, the points go. You're defending last year's points. I was the winner of Indian Wells and Miami coming up. So it, it's a lot because you don't know if you're never going to get there. You, you know, you might even one day at the top of the mountain is a good day. So um, it's stressful. And for Alcaraz and Casper Ruud, they were playing not only for number one, they were playing for their first major title. That was something special to see at the U.S. Open mm. this year. Something they will never and can never take away from you. Andy, this ends an 18-year run for the Big Four, finishing as year-end number one. Two decades, nearly, of dominance. Yeah, it just, I mean, just goes to show that those guys are selfish, Steve. Um, very, very selfish. Uh, keeping titles from, from the rest of us mortals. But, uh, listen, I don't know if we're ever going to see consistency like we've seen from the Big Three and the Big Four uh, over the last 20 years, you know, even when Pete was dominant in his run, of, his run of finishing number one in the world, he would lose third round sometimes. You know, he had a surface that he was definitely not maybe in the top five or top ten in the world on. So, uh, you know, they completely revolutionized the game as far as consistency and, you know, the, the, the statistical metrics where they're making, you know, 30-some-odd Grand Slam semifinals in a row. It's just absurd. And it took an all-world talent like a Carlos Alcaraz, who is already a complete player, uh, at 19 years old, now he can get better in some places, but we'd be nitpicking. But what a talent Alcaraz is. It's remarkable. We, we talk about the big three being the greatest of all time, and yet they never got to number one as teenagers, something that uh, Carlitos was able to do. Time to enter the melting pot of social media. I say that because Roger Federer is cheesing in retirement. Jeez. <laughs> How about this? A happy face <laughs> with some fondue. You got to do this if you're Swiss, right? That's sort of like he is a Swiss tourism ambassador anyway, but... Uh, I don't know, Andy. I'm not sure this is the way to go once you sort of stop burning the calories quite as much as, as he would have done in the past.
Well, you, you know how to keep the weight off. I can tell them how to put the weight on. And this looks phenomenal to me, Jim. This looks like, you know, thank goodness something good finally happened to Roger. I don't know if this is an endorsement deal or something like that. But, you know, I mean, I, listen, if I'm a company, I mean, I, I, I guess I'd work with the guy. <laughs> I'm more of a chocolate fondue or the, the butterscotch fondue. I can see that. Yeah, that, that's what I'm going with there. But hey, it's always good when Roger Federer is posting on social media. Here's what's coming up Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. Eastern. Andre Rublev taking on Novak Djokovic. That is a good one. Stefano Tsitsipas against Daniil Medvedev. We got the special K's in action as well. We will break all of this down when we come back on TC Live. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back with our hot shot of the day. When this happened, we knew it was going to make the D segment. Andy Roddick. You know I love a hot shot that is this good and also this relevant. Down break point in the third set. Taylor Fritz gets caught against his movement. And what does he do? Shows off the hands. A dive where you actually had to dive, which I very much respect. Look at that laying out. Saving it on break point down. As we see it again up close, I don't even know that he saw that off of his racket, but he's certainly pumped in the real star of the show here, Mike Russell's bicep. Get a look at that thing. Unbelievable. Guy, did, guy, guy didn't retire. He didn't retire. He still trains. Oh my look God. at that bicep. Mike Russell is jacked. Uh, Lily, by the way, his wife. <laughs> yep. they, they, they work out yes. together in the yep. gym. Uh, this is yes. what we got for you. Red group singles action tomorrow. Rublev, Djokovic, and then Tsitsipas. And Medvedev, let's head back to Italy for a preview with Danny Prakash. All right, Steve, back at our DraftKings Tennis Channel desk. P. Novak Djokovic facing Andre Rublev for the third time, but the first time since Rublev got him in Belgrade, Serbia. And you know Novak Djokovic is going to want a little bit of revenge here. How do you see this one playing out? Well, look, Rublev's at least got that confidence in winning a six-love third set against Novak Djokovic, which not too many people have. But he got some bad news. Djokovic is not the same guy who was trying to find his way during the clay court season after barely playing any matches. He is in about as fine form as it gets. The man looks hungry and as serious as it can possibly get. I see this going a lot more like last year's meeting here on the same court, two and three for Novak, especially with his conditions. I think it's going to be a repeat of that. Looking forward to some wildly entertaining action on Wednesday in Northern Italy. All right, thank you so much. Uh, by the way, I, I think Mike Russell ha has the edge on Prakash right now when it comes to biceps. We'll, we'll, we won't get into that quite yet. Uh, let's talk about the other matchup, Jim. 11th meeting, 7-3 Medvedev over Sitsipas, but Sitsipas won their last match in Cincinnati. It dates back to when they almost came to blows in Miami. What do you expect tomorrow? Well, I, I hope that I see more of the variation that we saw from Tsitsipas in that win in Cincinnati. He served and volleyed a bunch. He used the drop shot. He didn't allow Medvedev to stand deep and defend. And uh, we'll see if he can bring that to bear. Mark Filipusis, a big part of that game plan in Cincinnati. He's in Torino with Team Tsitsipas. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he can mix it up and uh, get another win. Yeah, and something we haven't seen much in the last three or four years 
on a hard, quick service is is Medvedev trying to sneak out some close wins, right? He, he got knocked out in Bercy, lost a tight one to Rublev, up a set uh, here at World Tour Finals, has run the table uh, at this event indoors before. So Medvedev is trying to find something a little bit, has slid back from the number one position to, to, to four, kind of battling for that four or five position. So he could use a win and he could try to find some form uh, heading into uh, to 2023. Yeah, looking forward to that. Well, looking forward to Djokovic and Rublev as well, because may maybe Djokovic's a little more relaxed now. He knows he's playing Australia. No worries. Why not win another year-end championship? Why not? <laughs> Why not? He's already there. And let's go yeah. get some, uh, let's go work on our guns. Yeah, we you got, got, you got to go to the need. gym after this. Jeez. That's Mike what we Russell. need. Oh, That's man. the one. Our 15 pound weights need to be 25. Swole, Jim. Yes. That's what we call swole. Thanks for watching TC Live. <laughs>